is up, Schmelville? Welcome to the Meaning of Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about the deeper meanings of your favorite filmmakers' films. I am Ace, this is RB3, and we are very excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about the films of our our British friend, our fellow Englishman, even though we're not English, right. um, <laughs> Matthew Vaughn, who uh, is known for his action films, but surprisingly, they always have a lot to say in his films. So I'm very excited to jump into that. But before we do, we want to read some of your comments from our previous episode, which was based on Denis Villeneuve. Um, this guy makes a lot of great movies, and we read some of your comments, and we want to make sure and give you guys an opportunity to reach out to this podcast and give us your ideas, give us your thoughts, give us your favorite films, whatever you want to say to us, make sure you let us know either on Schmoville or on Twitter, and we'll be on the lookout for that. So I know RB3 just pulled up a comment right now on the Sh- on the Schmoville post that we made yeah. about Denny. So yeah, check it out, man. Yeah, we uh we have one comment here from Alex Hermie who says, Prisoners is one of my favorite movies of all time. When people ask me, what's a good movie to watch? My answer is usually, have you seen Prisoners? Fantastically shot and produced what I think is Hugh Jackman's best performance. Should have been nominated. Arrival is well on its way to becoming one of my favorite films too. I think the thing that makes Denny stand out to me is how realistic all his characters are and how they react to the situations they are put into. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, again, I can't stop talking about how much I love Hugh Jackman. Um, My family's in town over this weekend. I know I told you that, but Mm -hmm. um, I kept talking about to my mom about how much I love Hugh Jackman. I'm like, this guy can sing. This guy can dance. (laughs) This guy's an amazing actor. Again, when we talked about Darren Aronofsky, I thought his performance in The Fountain was just, it just shattered me. I thought it was amazing in performance. And obviously what he does in Prisoners is so raw and realistic that... I love that movie, man. It might be my favorite Denny film. It might I mean it's it's such a toss up sometimes, but yeah. Prisoners might be my favorite. Even though Arrival is is probably a more ambitious and a more technically adept film, I guess you can say. I feel like Prisoners is one of those that it's just like it just sucks me in a little bit more. But Yeah, I mean, I remember when the when the movie was released, there's like a hard campaign for a lot of people. Uh, it's trying to get Hugh Jackman nominated for Prisoners. It kind of went under the radar, if I remember correctly. The, a lot of people kind of just forgot about that film when it when it came out. Like yeah, I mean, it didn't like, it didn't do well box office it wise. Didn't, no. It didn't do like it neither did Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Ooh, <laughs> shots fired. Uh oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> that movie bombed, dude. How much? Yeah. Thirty one million. Thirty one million. They're expecting fifty. Oh. That's unbelievable. Oh, that hurts. That hurts me, dude. It hurts me on the inside. Thirty one million. That's an oh. I guess Finstock was right, man. Yeah. Tom Dagnino. He um, put a lot of money into it. Way too much money into yeah, it. He was right about that. He but. was, man. He was. Um, let's read another comment. Um, Jen. Shout out to Jen, who's hey. always great. Um, she says, thanks for the recommendation on Next Floor, RB3. I hadn't heard of that one, so I immediately checked it out once you mentioned it. Yeah. Next yeah. Floor. Thank you for that, RB3. Yeah, no. I mean, again, like that was just a short that I had seen. I was like... After me seeing like a lot of Denny Villeneuve movies, I started researching like his filmography, and like that one really stood out to me. Um, and I'm glad people are checking it out now. I'm glad people are, are seeing it and talking about it because I think shorts are an unappreciated art form. Like, they are. And you know, obviously, you can't show them in theaters, and when you do have to see them, you have to buy them on iTunes or whatever. But I think that you can learn almost as much about story and storytelling and story structure as you can in a short than as you would in the feature. So I think that's what's really interesting. But I noticed a lot of people were commenting about us not talking about like Polytechnic. Or, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, we got a lot of, uh, what are you talking about? Denny did some other movies too. And it's like, yeah. we, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we know that. 
Yeah, I mean, it, they're it, great films, obviously. Yeah, they're all great films, and you know, we wish we had more time to talk about. It. I mean, we're kind of burning the clock like last time around. We, we so, were. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's tough, you know. And and I think this time around with Matthew Vaughn, it is I'm excited, dude. I'm excited about this episode. Yeah, I, and I know it's so weird to talk about our excitement for an episode when we haven't even done the episode yet. Right. But I'm excited because Matthew Vaughn. I mean, we're we're kind of jumping. We're switching over to the conversation now. Matthew Vaughn is one of those directors to me. Like I said before, he's very, I like how he's very unabashedly British. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like all his films are just super freaking British and super yeah. freaking like, you know, very um, made by Englishmen for Englishmen. And if they happen to do well in the U.S., then that's kind of how he got his popularity. But uh, yeah, Matthew Vaughn is an interesting director. Like I said before, he's one who's known for his action and his kind of stylized sequences and his like really well done like style like when people hire matthew vaughn they hire him not necessarily for story but more for style over substance i don't know i don't want to say over substance but over story i guess you can say right right um yeah what do you think about matthew vaughn man what do you what do you like about him what what interests you about this filmmaker well i mean he has an interesting blend of comedy action um science fiction in some cases you know when we're talking about movies like stardust this i guess is more fantasy but um a lot of whimsical elements that 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 transcend a lot of different genres that he he always brings a consistent um, kind of narrative and style and flow to his movies and he does that using like a lot of tricky camera work fast moving quick pans and zoom ins and, and pan ins and stuff like that so he uses almost every trick in the book he can to um engage in the audience and uh, keep keep the audience's attention um, to progress the story as far as possible, and you know he obviously comes in like that's that that's, that kind of style comes in the same vein as people like you know a guy Ritchie, Edgar Wright, you know he, he other he, other British filmmakers who right. kind of fast fun yeah yeah and all that that's exactly and he wears his influences on his sleeves you know so and you see that in a lot of his movies you know it's, it's clear that. The layer cake is influenced by like these like hard like hardcore like drug movies like crime movies, but it's also like the suaveness that like the British brings into it, um, and we see like Stardust is very much like a fantasy on on it like to the extreme like almost like a parody like almost and and he 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 does like these interesting plays and commentaries on on all of his films that we're gonna dive into. Today. Yeah, I I I like Matthew Vaughn because he's. He's loud. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. the best way to put it. He's a very loud director. And I kind of like his loudness. I like how he's very loud and just in your face and so like passionate about what he's saying. Whatever he's saying, whatever he happens to be talking about, whatever the topic is, he's always a very loud, in-your-face director who doesn't really shy away from kind of towing the line between, you know, acceptable and towing the line between too much he, mm-hmm. he he's he's that he's that extra director right, <laughs> you know how right. people say man that guy's extra yeah that's matthew Vaughn. yeah <laughs> he's very extra but i like it because he he has that um very heavy style that influences what he's trying to say let's just jump right into it i say we're going to start in order of his films and um his first one is going to be layer cake yeah. starring none other than james bond himself uh mr daniel craig uh who happens to be my favorite james bond and who 
I love is James Bond. And this is pre-Bond, too. This came yeah. out in 2004, I believe. Yeah, 2004. And this was the movie that convinced the Bond producers to get him on board mm. to do 007. And, in fact, uh, Vaughn was originally attached to direct Casino mm. Royale. Um, but then he dropped he dropped out of project. But they still held on to, to Daniel Craig from this movie. So. Dude, Daniel Craig is so freaking good. Yeah. Like, I, I can't stop... I, I was re-watching Casino Royale yesterday with my brother because it's one of our favorite films, like, ever. Honestly, it's one of our favorite action films ever. And uh, I can't I can't get freaking Daniel Craig. He's just a very magnetic presence on screen. Like, obviously, he has the piercing blue eyes that makes him look half crazy, half, like, super, like, suave. Right. Like, he's, he's the kind of guy who's like, I don't know if this guy is going to be, like offer to buy me a drink or stab me in the face <laughs> like that's that face he has he has that kind of look to him right it's that that kind of like rugged british guy kind of look like he, he's lived like a whole life yeah like, like he, he yeah. can ha- he can hang out with eggsy and he can hang out with colin Firth's right, character. right. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's a good one that's nice um but yeah um layer cake is uh it's also funny enough it stars a very young looking tom, tom hardy, hardy yeah. tom hardy looks like a kid in this movie right, right. <laughs> looks like a child um and yeah it has a great cast actually it has a ton of great british actors and it's kind of his his like drug trafficking kind mm-hmm. of like middleman what what takes place in the drug world kind of movie and it's very like i said before in the beginning it's very british it's like the british version of like a drug trafficking movie mm-hmm. um i thoroughly enjoyed this movie i think it's great obviously vaughn drugs are going to be a common theme in the, yeah, up, in the movies, Vaughn yeah. films, uh, lots of Vaughn's films talks about drugs, but this is his his gangster esque yeah. kind of like drug trafficking movie. What do you think about this movie? Because I, I I actually really like it. It 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 doesn't it doesn't go too far with the comedy for me because there are some of his movies that go a little too far with the right, comedy for me. Right. This isn't one of them. I think he balances it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think out of all of his films, probably like the most grounded you're gonna see any of his any of That's his a great point. Um, because this is more of like a straight up gangster movie. It kind of aligns like perfectly with like the crime movies that are coming out. Like during that era, we were seeing like Lock, Stock and Barrel, Snatch, um, you know, and, and the American side, we're seeing that, that Nick Cage movie, um, Lord of War. Uh, mm. I think that's what it's called. But the same kind of like open, like in, in City of God, it was, it was like a lot of those kind of style movies that were coming out um, during that time. And I think he implemented a lot of those cliches and genres, like the cliches in the genre, sure. but was able to like transcend them in like an interesting way. I mean, that opening shot is just one of the coolest like it's really cool. two minutes like I think I've ever um, experienced. And to me, th- to me, this is personally like this, and and I, we're gonna talk about Kick Ass a little later. But oh those yeah, are, those are my two favorite. These are my two favorite. Yeah, um, yeah. Bond I remember films. you told me that. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's um it's like almost like a deconstructionist look of like, hey, here's what the middleman of of this industry looks like. I love that. I I freaking love that because that's kind of the whole theme around the movie is like the life of the middleman, right? In in, in a drug world, it's like we we have that mentality of what it looks like to be a drug kingpin, but what does it look like to be like a drug, like prince pin? I don't know. Right. (laughs) Someone who's in the middle of the drug trafficking world, someone who's not quite having his foot having both feet all the way submerged into the drug world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of having like one foot in, one foot out kind of. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the the main theme that I see running in that movie is obviously that. I also like the theme of like outsmarting your opponent. Mm. The whole concept of like this drug trafficking world isn't a world for 
dumb junkies or dumb people who just think like, hey, I want to make a lot of money and I want to be a gangster. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that he brings up a lot. His character in the movie who, by the way, doesn't have a name. Um, (laughs) Yeah, X. Um, He keeps bringing up the concept of like, this is a smart man's business. This is a business business. This isn't for people who just want to shoot up people. This is for people who want to make money and be smart about making their money and make sure they have a lot in their retirement fund. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what the point of this is. Um, yeah, I love that. And I also love how the concept of like, we see this a lot. We see this in Breaking Bad. We see this in other drug-related um, TV shows and movies. Is the concept of like um, submerging yourself deeper and deeper. Right. Where it's like one decision leads to another bad decision leads to another decision where you're forced to kill, forced to do that, forced to do that. Until eventually you're so submerged into it that there's not you're not going to get option. out. Yeah, it's it, the the way out is getting killed, and that's it. That's kind of the whole running theme of the movie as well. Because no matter because Daniel Craig's character wants out, and he can't get out no matter what he wants to do because he's just stuck in this world. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really interesting because you know going back to um, the whole idea of you know you have to be smarter than your opponent. You have to do, you know, they, they kind of play a lot with it. I mean, the whole title of the movie is layer cake. So mm-hmm. the whole idea is like, there's different layers to, you know, society, you know, um, the ones at the bottom are just going to be the ones who consume or the consumers are just the people who buy and, you know, use these drugs. Um, you know, and then there's Daniel Craig at the middle who just wants out, but there's no way for him to get out because without the middle man, the, the top can't get, can't get back to the bottom, you know? Um, and obviously, like, both of the characters at the top are, are trying to screw him over, right? Like, we see him from the very beginning with, um, it's not the Duke, it's, it's, it's the, Ooh. I guess, Eddie. Um, yeah, names yeah. are going to be tough for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of. Anthony? Have, I know there's. Something know. like that, but he, the, 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 um, Jimmy, 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 there we go. Got you. Um, Jimmy tried to have him killed, um, yeah. and, or tried to have him arrested, um, and then the second guy, um, tried to have him, you know. Uh, tried to screw him out of like half of his money, you know, sure. from buying the pills. And I think overall, it's just saying like, no matter how much somebody in the middle tries, like, the top is always going to push them down as much as possible. Sure, and it's going to take uh, extraordinary measures to to even get up to that point. Um, and I think that's what's on display here. And you know, he he goes through all the steps of of making it to the top. He he outsmarts um, one guy. He you know he kills the other guys. He he. Gets the Serb the Serbians off of his tail. Um, yeah, by, well, hardcore know. by the way. Yeah, yeah, hardcore exactly. Serbians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's just it, and then but at the end his his only downfall is um, you know taking another man's woman. You know, yeah, so. but it's one of those things where its downfall is still somehow related to the business that he got into. I yeah. thought that was kind of interesting how he's like, I'm good, I'm done, I've done everything the right way, and even if you've done everything the right way, you've still had that one slip up. Yeah, that, that you, one, you didn't that one think, un, un, uh, like loose thread. You yeah, know? yeah, that you so. didn't think was going to come back to bite you, but it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the ending because the ending is very much like kind of weeding your way through competition. And I love that line. I think it's Tom Hardy who like raises a glass to him. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, long live the king or something like that. Right. And I'm just like, damn, that's that's crazy how like you can go from being somewhere in the middle to at the top. Like yeah. legit, you're now the drug drug pin. You're now the kingpin. You're now the boss mm-hmm. of everyone. And even then you're still going to get out of the business bloody. It's mm-hmm. not a, you're never going to get your hands clean. You're always going to have blood on your hands. Right, exactly. Um yeah, that's such an interesting movie because it does have a lot to say about the 
um, we're going to talk about this a lot in his last film as well, but the legality of uh, drugs, right? Right, right. How he talks about how it's the same thing as over-the-counter crap. It's yeah. the same thing as pain, pain medication or any of those crap, but, but, but making it illegal makes it a, a, a business and makes it a bloody business mm-hmm. versus making it legal. Right. I know Matthew Vaughn has a lot to say about that, and that's one of those films that... He comments quite a bit on it as well. Right. I don't know if you have a last word on Layer Cake. No, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, the whole idea of, like, being in, in, imprisoned for, um, like, drug offenses, like, scare a lot of these guys. Like, the whole idea of a prison in general was, like... A, Dude, a, at the beginning of the film, yeah. it's so great. The the voiceover, he says, you're right. That scene when he says, like, when when people who were, like, legit killers and rapists and gangsters were in the same amount of time in prison as people who sold crack or yeah. people who sold marijuana or something like that. Yeah. What he said, I forget there's a line in the movie and I'm sure someone's going to correct me because that's what happens. But he says like, if you sell this much drugs, you'll be in prison this much time, which by the way is more than a rapist gets. When he said that, and he said it very bluntly, he didn't say it like in a comedic way. Yeah. I was like, damn. That's hardcore, dude. Yeah. Like raping someone, something that's considered some of the most offensive, most disgusting crime you can do versus selling like a little bit of drugs. And yeah. you're in the same amount of prison time. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's deep. That's real deep. <laughs> and we see like all the characters like have their fears like that, like the dude Morty who's like, mm. um, who spent 10 years because like his driver fell asleep or whatever. And, um, you know, and, 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 and again, that plays into the whole concept of like over, um, you know, criminalization of the stuff. Um, but then you also see in that same montage at the beginning, he's talking about like how these like killers and, and, and gangsters saw like these pie heads coming into jail and were like, Oh, we're in the wrong business. Yeah. You know, Cause you know, they, you know, everybody's feeding off of it. Um, so I just, it's a really interesting, like layered thing. And you could tell it's a debut film, you know, you could sure. tell it's his first movie. Cause yeah. there's a lot of like flashy like moments, you know, and a the lot editing of, is kind of nuts too. I love the yeah. editing. To yeah. Be honest. No, I, I mean, great. I think I say that in a positive way. Yeah. Like it, it being his first film is in like, you could tell like he was showing that he has something to prove. And I think he, he succeeded on like all levels. Yeah. Of that, so. Yeah. My last word too, is kind of going off of your point. Cause you always bring up great points, RB3. And Thank I'm you. not joking. You said something really cool. Kind of like that, the concept of like, bad guys meeting drug people or potheads in prison and kind of taking that concept and and criminalizing it even more. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the concept of like, if you criminalize one thing and put it on the same playing field as like killing, Mm -hmm. how those two intersect, not necessarily by, um, because they're the same thing, but mainly because they're kind of feeding off of each other, right? Right. So when, what happens when the killer meets the drug dealer then you get the drug trafficking killers or the or the you know the sicarios the cartels the et cetera et cetera it it it, exp- it grows exponentially because right. when when one business in criminality grows in the other right whereas if you bring down the criminality of drugs how much will the violence go down mm-hmm. right right i don't know it's it's just a concept there but it's very interesting that what yeah. matthew vaughn has to say and i i enjoyed layer cake quite a bit uh let's move on to stardust yeah. <laughs> this movie like you said before is uh pretty crazy it's a yeah. pretty pretty uh intense uh fantasy movie um starring my boy charlie daredevil Cox. right the daredevil right. <laughs> um as well as claire dane sienna miller um right. ian mckellen doing the narration 
Yeah, that was a pretty stacked cast. Robert De Niro. This plays, cast playing is super stacked. <laughs> yeah. This is a super stacked. The De Niro. Yeah. Damn. Michelle Pfeiffer playing the witch. Like this is a. It's a very stacked cast. I. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I want to hear your thoughts about this movie because it's been a while for me, and uh, I know this one came out in two thousand seven, and it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very it's it's an out there movie for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's it's a little tough for me because I'm just not. I've never been a, a big. I've never adapted to a lot of the fantasy iconography that's been out um, over you know forever. You know, um, like I love Lord of the Rings, but beyond that, a lot of the a lot of the fantasy genre just doesn't like adapt to me well. I can see the appeal. You know, obviously things like Princess Bride and um, and Chronicles of Narnia play big influences onto this film, um, but I just never really got into like that kind of material. So. Watching this movie is interesting because it's almost like a parody of that stuff, mm-hmm. which I think might work uh, to to its advantage. Like um, in terms of me liking it, at least, like it it um, it has all of the tropes. You see all of the cliches of the adventure. You know the the hero's journey, the call to action, all this different stuff. And I think at the end of the day, um, while it's not necessarily parodying the fantasy genre, is um, kind of doing like a nice little fresh touch on it. So I think it's cool. Um, it's not one of my favorite Vaughn films. Yeah. Um, and it kind of flew under the radar when it came out. It still kind of flies under the radar today, even though like it's kind of built like a cult following um, in a lot of ways. But um, it's, it's interesting. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting piece in his filmography. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, taking a look back at, and, and again, I'm, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a theme in this podcast and especially in this episode is a theme of like where you come from. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Because I do feel like uh, what I said in the beginning of this is the fact that Matthew Vaughn's very unabashedly British mm-hmm. um, and very, you know, in his roots, very in his Englishman kind of ways. And it's crazy how so many stories that we pass on in Hollywood today, um, we pass them on through the Hollywood films, but it's crazy how so much art and so much of these kind of fantasy stories that we grow up with come from England, come mm-hmm. from that kind of field, come from, you know, like definitely Europe, like Europe, general, European, yeah. European kind of stories and, and, and these like fairy tales, right? For example, mm-hmm. fairy tales or um, watching a, a show like American Gods where it's like fairies and, and, um, and um, uh, leprechauns and all this stuff. Is, it comes from right. that, you know, English kind of uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how this is kind of Matthew Vaughn's version of bringing those fantastical elements to life in a in a different kind of way. Like you said before, almost like a parody kind of way with the way the script is dealt with. And uh, it, it's very interesting for sure. Like you said before, it's definitely not one of, one of my favorites as, as well. Um, I love Charlie Cox. <laughs> yeah. I think he's great. And I, I think he's one of those actors that doesn't get a lot of credit. I, I don't know. I just think he's a great actor. Um, that's the thing that stands out the most to me. And mm-hmm. also, like I said before, it's like bringing in Matthew Vaughn's perspective on a fantasy genre because w- something that's going to be interesting when we keep going through his filmography is his interpretation of genres, right? right? Whether it be the superhero genre, the crime genre, or in this case, the fantasy, fantasy genre. Right. So I-, I think that's always an interesting one for sure. And uh, yeah, that's mainly what i want to say about it yeah you you bring up a good point i think with the with the whole idea of it being like related to his his perspective because we see it in in this movie it's it's about the young young guy chris uh christian not christian tristan who i'm sorry tristan who is uh trying to 
who's like at the bottom. He he's like the he's like a peasant basically, and but he's trying to impress like like upscale like Victoria. Um, so in order to do that, he he journeys across the country to find find a fallen star. Um, I think that's like a interesting twist on like this guy. You know, again, we're talking about like the idea of class and society here. Same same with layer cake. Somebody from the bottom trying to climb up in the hierarchy. And how, how he's dealing with, like, the difficulties that come with that. Sure, and kind of like the whole, what does it take to reach your way to, like, a higher class system? Or is it is it worth reaching, you know, to get that high? Is, it, is Are you still the same person you were before? Yeah. That's something that always comes up in Matthew Vaughn's films, especially with... I think all his films, to be honest, but right. especially with Kingsman, which we'll get into later. And then, um, and, and he, he has a good, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a good moment in this film uh, where, you know, he has to try and cross over the wall, uh, like this old wall that divides like both sides of the land. Um, and but and trying to cross the wall, there's like this old dude, like this 97 year old guy who just like kicks his butt. And it's like, oh, what? Um, like, and he comes home to his father and it's like, oh, what what happened to you? It's like, oh, the old man beat me up. He's like, isn't he 97? It's like, well, you have plenty of time to practice. And I think all of that speaks to like the idea of like these old traditions kind of holding back like young people and how they feel about that and how that's kind of almost restricting him from getting to see his mother again, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of interesting, like, little fantasy plays that goes on, but has some, like, real-life connotations to it, I think, too. So Yeah, yeah, that's what's great about Matthew Vaughn is that he takes those, and he always, like I said before, he always has something to say. Like, yeah. it, it really is, we can get lost in the fantasticalness and the special effects and in all the action or whatever, but at the core of it, there's something deeper. And I love, I love when filmmakers can do that, when they can take a genre and be like, this is a genre film, but it has a lot more than a genre typical messaging. It's got something a little bit deeper or something a little bit more poignant, I guess we can say. Right. Um, cool. Let's move on to another one of his like parody type films, which is Kick-Ass. Yes. Um, this is probably your favorite um, Matthew Vaughn film, yeah. if I'm not putting words in your mouth. But... Kick-Ass is one of those films where, I mean, what year did it come out? Uh, 2010, 2010 yeah. which is ton of superhero movies are coming out by then, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many superhero movies. The, the market of Hollywood is flooded by them. And it's turning that... Obviously, this is a Mark Millar um, comic that comic it's based book, on, yeah. which we see it'll come up a little bit more, too. Mark, uh, I, Mark Miller, Mark Millar, I mean, um, Millar yeah. um, he is going to be... A constant theme, I think, in Matthew Vaughn's films, because mm-hmm. um, we'll see that he comes up a little bit more as well. But um, yeah, so basically, this is his kind of almost parody of a superhero genre, and it's almost like a commentary on the movies that are coming out then, which is all these like big superhero movies from Marvel and from DC, obviously. And yeah, this one. This one definitely has a lot to say from the very opening shot of the movie. <laughs> right, right. But uh, what do you think about this movie, man? What do you like it so much? Because I know you enjoyed this one quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I probably I, look I, for in terms of like my favorite superhero movie of all time. I probably said Dark Knight, right? But in terms of the one I think that I've watched the most is probably Kick Ass. <laughs> like I, I have this movie on iTunes and just like I just run it at night sometimes when I just need to like um, watch something as I, I go to sleep or whatever. But to me, it's like. It's a great, it's a great film. There's some things that holds it back from being perfect, um, but I think overall, like the way, the way it tells the story of like this nerd who's like coming from high school, like didn't fit in anywhere, 
and he takes like this turn almost like like psychopathically like like taking like like this turn to go out at night fight crime after he even after he gets stabbed and like almost dies he still goes out and like tries to like fight all these criminals and he ends up becoming part of a bigger world of 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 superheroes like local kind of real life superheroes so um, i just think it's funny if they take the concept of if a teenager was to really be a superhero and how would that really look um, and of course it's not like really realistic but it's something that gives like a, a grounded perspective yeah I think, on the genre. kind of the concept of vinci- uh, ah, vigilanteism right right where right. it's like if taking the law into your own hands sounds cool if you're batman but if you do it in real life you're kind of a crazy person <laughs> right, right right where it's like damn bro you're taking this too far like leave that to the cops because it's one of those things where being an actual superhero always sounds so much fun but in reality you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you're legitimately a psychopath if you try and do that. Right. Um, something that I feel like I, I was going to touch on in, in upcoming of Matthew Vaughn's films, but this one especially hits the nail on the head when it comes to Matthew's use of violence. I want to mm-hmm. hear your thoughts on that because some one of the biggest things coming out of this movie is obviously Hit Girl. Hit Girl, yeah. And, and, and the concept of a little girl committing a tr- just horrific acts of violence where uh, to the point of so much extremism that it's co- comedic it's mm. it's comical it, it's kind of like a, like a parody yeah. right because you're at first you're watching it and you're like this is wrong right. <laughs> this girl's 11 she should not be killing people this way right. and then when you're watching you're like oh i get it that's what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be kind of like a comical over-the-top perspective on the on the acts of violence that vigilantes commit and the fact that it's a little girl doing this kind of makes it even more um, flipping it on its head and even more like um, commentary on what it is about the violence and all that. But yeah, what's your what are your comments on that? Because he's a he's a he does not shy away from violence. Matthew Vaughn does. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. Um, I remember when this movie came out, and I don't know I don't know if you're living in L.A. during the time. I wasn't. Movie, no. But I remember when this thing came out. Like the Fox Eleven News must have ran, like at least two stories a night yeah. like talking about like this little girl in kick-ass is like cursing, swearing, uh, violently killing people. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's kind of what drove me to see it. Cause <laughs> I was like, You're like that uh, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I think, um, but yeah, I mean, it's controversial and, and I think that's why a lot of the studios like passed on it. It was actually independently, uh, financed through like a lot of different like foreign companies or whatever. And eventually like universal ended up buying, buying it all, uh, whole right. Um, but that's all those studios are passing on it because it was like, oh, you're you're not gonna have like an 11, 12 year old girl um, killing and, and cursing like at this level like at that rate, and um, so they were just like either you drop that whole character or you make it you make it so she's like 18, 19, you know. Um, but um, in terms of the use of violence, I mean, he he definitely has like this kind of over the top way to to presenting like the blood splats, you know. Um, all, all of that stuff and um, like the stabbings, like I, with that whole part when she goes into like that, I guess it's almost like a trap house. Yeah, and the, like, that apartment little. Yeah, place, yeah, 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 and um, and just like murders all those dudes, <laughs> like like beheading some guys, you know, like it's it's, it's crazy. So, um, I mean, in terms of the violence wise, I mean, I I, I like to see um, directors who get kind of fun with it. Tarantino does that a lot. He does. Um, <laughs> Tarantino does not back away from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, I think that's, you know, Matthew Vaughn looking at people who inspire him and, and, sure. and kind of taking a lot of those elements. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I don't see a lot of people say it has negative effects, especially on kids. 
um, especially when it's somebody like Hit Girl who's like 11. Um, how are young boys and girls going to see that? And are they going to be influenced by that? I remember that that's kind of a big conversation that came up during that time and still kind of comes up today. Um, so, sure. I mean, in general, though, I mean, what, what do you think? Like, do you think the it's media... It's such an interesting thing because, I mean, I was talking about this with my friend um, a couple of days ago because obviously we're... It's hard to bring it up, but we're coming off the tails of a very horrific event in United States history, which is the Vegas shooting. Right. And uh, it's one of those things where you you i hate personally right coming from the world of art and film and stuff like you probably agree with me most people who live here will probably will probably agree with me and agree with you that it's like this concept of like you know video games and violent video games and violent movies and all that stuff it influences the kids to not really yeah having access influences people i think is the main thing um this is a rated R movie, so I'm not saying kids aren't watching it, but I'm saying like this isn't targeted towards kids in any way. Right. Um, the thing that kind of gets me is Matthew Vaughn's commentary towards it, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the commentary of who is the good guy in all this? Is there a good guy in all this? Mm-hmm. Because that's always the running theme with a superhero movie, right? If you watch a superhero movie or something and you jump right in the middle of it, and you just turn it on and have no perspective on who is who and what is what, you're always going to know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And this movie, since it's a kind of parody of that, you can kind of tune in and you see someone like Nicolas Cage, what's his name, Big Daddy? Yeah, Big Daddy. Yeah. You see a Nicolas Cage, Big Daddy, dressed in all black, carrying automatic weapons. Yeah, and like shooting, literally destroying a, a warehouse. And like shooting people, people left yeah. and right. If I'm going to turn tune into that in the middle of it and I have no perspective, I'm going to assume he's the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Or if, even if I see a hit girl taking out thugs i'm gonna assume she's a bad guy right i'm gonna assume that they're somehow psychologically not right in the brain to be doing all this stuff right and maybe that's matthew vaughn's way of saying the protagonist isn't always going to be the good guy even though even if they are sort of labeled that way or if they label themselves that way because big daddy sees himself as a good guy Mm -hmm. but is he right or is hit girl like that's always a concept that that i think the first kick-ass because we're not going to talk about the second one the first Mm -hmm. kick-ass kind of hits that in the right way right where it's like you can watch it and you can see a hit girl and you can see a big daddy doing all these things and it's your choice to decide if they are the good guy or not because i think kick-ass gives you that option whereas other superhero movies don't give you that option this is the good guy and you're supposed to follow him whereas kick-ass kind of says is he the good guy? You decide. If you think shooting all those people is totally okay, then sure, he's the good guy. If not, then he's a psychopath, and he probably shouldn't be doing any of this stuff. So I know that's a little bit deeper than what maybe we see initially in the right. film, but I do think it's there with the extreme violence. Well, and I think you bring up an interesting point with like who who's actually committing the violence, and um, I think when you look at even like like you said from the good guy side from the bad guy side, like both sides kind of have like idiots. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, the Mark Sean character in his movie literally kills somebody because he puts them in a the microwave, you know, yeah. like, um, so, you know, people are literally getting like rocket launched outside out of windows, you know? So it's like at, at a certain point, it's like, it's up, it's the responsibility of the viewer to like interpret it, how they want to interpret it. Um, and 
if they see if they see themselves relating to like the big daddy like Batman ripoff dude, if they see it's it's kind of funny. Like if I think if somebody came in and watched this movie and just saw like that big daddy warehouse fight, yeah. they would think it's like a like a parody of, of Batman or something. Um, but it's all the way to the cranked up to eleven in terms of violence. So um, do people was people still interpret them as like a Batman kind of deal uh, that kills people that does all this um, and then. Where does that line toe for superheroes? You know, um, should they be allowed to kill? Where, where, you know, and coming off of a, a comic book uh, written by Mark Millar, um, who was just famous for over sensationalizing violence of all of his characters, even if they're somebody big like Tony Stark or like Captain America, um, he'll go extra ham on the violence with them just to explore like where where's the line toe? Where what does being a superhero mean if you're um, hurting people in the act. So um, I think that's one of the themes that they explore here really well. Um, and I, I think also like they explore like geek culture really well too. Mm. Um, like the idea of somebody being so influenced by um, something that they read or something that they see. Um, something that, that they idolize and some, worship. Exactly, exactly. And um, what happens when they start to adapt that behavior and what happens when uh, other people become privy to that behavior. That's you know? a good point. And you actually have access and opportunity to commit those uh, acts of vigil- uh, vigilanteism, right? Right. What, what happens, it's, it's, not no, it's not so much like, I really want to do it, I really want to do it, I really want to do it, as far as like be Batman or be a superhero, but mm-hmm. I know I can't. What happens when I can? What happens when I have access to weaponry? I have the ability to physically put someone through pain, and I have um, a way to somehow cover myself and cover my tracks, right? right. Training, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, it opens up that door of like, what happens if stuff that influences you actually influences you to commit acts of violence, right? I don't know. It's it's, it's all very interesting because again, it, it comes down to um, the purpose of it, and it comes down to the reality of it as far as you know, taking the law into your own hands, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Where, where's the where's the line between a vigilante and a terrorist? Mm-hmm. Right, is that line as, as as big as we think it is, or is it a little bit thinner? Right. So there's also like a really brilliant like comedy in terms of like spoofing the the genre. Sure. Um, sure. They open with that like the whole idea of like a tragic backstory, kind of playing it for a joke, right? Yeah. With his mother dying over the bowl of cereal, you know, and they have like a lot of little jokes in there that that play and, and test with the uh, with with what we will see in like the traditional standard of of a superhero movie absolutely um i think it's also the first film that like incorporated the idea of like having a viral sensation superhero like we see that a lot now like a lot a lot um we just saw that recently i think with um uh, one one of the one of the films uh, i can't put my finger on it but um but with Kick-Ass, though, especially, it was like he got videotaped, got put on YouTube. Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that was a big theme in there, and it's a big theme. This, that's, I mean, I hadn't seen any other movie tackle that except for Kick-Ass before where, like, somebody literally videos him, put him on YouTube, and, like, that's how he becomes, like, a viral sensation. And people start emailing him, you know. He's, so it's, it's interesting. You, you never see that side of the superhero movie um, until this point, and I think that's really how it manages to break a lot of cool ground in, in the genre. So. Cool. Um, let's move on to his next film, which is my favorite of his films. Okay. Speaking of superhero movies, X-Men First Class. First Class. This is the one that everyone always goes back to when they talk when they talk about Matthew Vaughn. They, mm-hmm. they, they kind of have forgotten Kick-Ass a little bit. Layer Cake is way too far back in the back of their mind. But X-Men First Class 
was coming off the heels of like the X-Men franchise. It came after Last Stand, which yeah. a lot of people were like, crap, yeah. what's going to happen now? <laughs> it came after uh, X-Men Origins. X-Men Origins, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, what's going to happen now that our favorite X-Men characters are kind of in hiatus and kind of in a state of limbo as far as quality wise. Right. Um, Matthew Vaughn came with this movie, which was a prequel movie, which I, I remember when it was coming out and a lot of people were like, really a prequel movie about Charles Xavier and Magneto. This is going to be terrible. And I cannot lie. RB three walking into the theater, watching this movie and walking out. It was, it, it's such an experience for me. It, mm-hmm. it really was just being, an X-Men fan. And obviously a lot of you guys know I'm a freaking comic book nerd. I'm a nerd. Like that's just what I grew up with. And X-Men is one of those franchises that heavily influenced me. So on a personal level, watching this movie, it was very much like, damn, this was so well done. These are my favorite characters coming together. And it comes from a realistic, another realistic kind of perspective as far as Magneto, right? Right. This is essentially the Magneto origin story because the professor Charles Xavier is very much at face value what he is, right? This this kid, you know, influential family, going through school, all this stuff, you know, you know, the the the, the themes of being a pacifist, the themes of being um, X Men comes the the Charles Xavier and Magneto relationship comes between the themes of the civil rights movement, which is Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Malcolm X, yeah. It comes from those themes, so we. We see that, but seeing the backstory of Magneto, someone who I've loved like passionately, one of my all-time favorite comic book characters, and seeing that POV, seeing that point of view, it becomes so much more it becomes so much more gray. Whereas we, we take a character like Magneto and we always label him as a villain because he kind of is a villain, but at the same time, he is he a villain or is he just a guy who's passionate about persecution and passionate about um, discrimination and very, hate crime. He has a very j- jaded perspective. A very you know? jaded perspective, but he's so passionate and so jaded about it, about his people. And he's so tired of, of being discriminated and so tired of hate crimes and so tired of, of, of his people being persecuted that he takes matters into his own hands to a certain extreme, right? right. That, that to me is just... You can say whatever you want about this film, but that to me is so well done, and it's so it's it's handled perfectly through Matthew Vaughn's hands and through Michael Fassbender's hands because I think his performance as Magneto is flawless, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the script was originally written to be the X Men Origins Magneto, and then they they rewrote a lot of it to incorporate the Xavier story and um, eventually like the 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 whole X Men in general, the foundation of X Men at least. Um, and you know, I, it, to me, this is the second best X Men movie uh, for me personally. Close, close, right behind Days of Future Past. Okay, this uh, one, to, this one to me is is always a toss up between this one and sometimes X Men Two. Okay, I yeah, I, like, I love that one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, and again, this this came out during a time when like everybody was shitting on the X Men, mm-hmm. right? Um, Last Stand was a disappointment. Um, Wolverine, you know, nobody liked. And so com- coming coming into this movie, you know, I, re- I remember this was post-MCU, so like Iron Man, Iron Man 2 had already gotten started. Um, this was in between like the Dark Knight movie. So a lot- You know what came out the same week as this movie or the same two weeks? What Green Lantern. That? No. Mm-hmm. It did. Mm-hmm. This came out at the end of May. Because you know why I knew that? I know it because I was going to go watch Green Lantern. And a, a friend of mine who was working at the theater was like, mm-hmm. 
eh, maybe you should see X-Men First Class instead. I saw right. Green Lantern. It's not very good. And I was like, I'll take your word for it. Give me two tickets to X-Men First Class. And that's how I went really? to see Really? That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, this, because, yeah, I do remember this came out at the end of May. And then, um, first, and then, um, Green Lantern came out like June seven, June seventeenth, which is my birthday. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was definitely like, a, you know, with, with first class at least, you know, it was something new to the genre, taking it back, making it a period piece, um, you know, dissecting. You were kind of talking about the civil rights implications of it, and I think that that's definitely something that Vaughn took into consideration when like crafting these characters because you see you know, kind of almost paralleling the story of, like, the real Martin Luther King and and, and uh, Malcolm X, you know, one had, like, a, a harder struggle, harder lifetime, comes, like I said, a jaded perspective, and then you have one that comes from, you know, more influential um, side and, you know, has um, more opportunities, more access to, to things, and we're backed by a lot more people, um, you know, that being Martin Luther King, and you know the other person being Malcolm X, and they they and they incorporate all of those story elements into that. And I think that, and I think in making you know we saw that early flashback of the Holocaust um, with Magneto and and Kevin Bacon, and I I think that's that's also an interesting way to look at it too. Um, we saw the the brief glimpse of that in the first X Men, but we see it fully expanded here, and you know. You, you, I kind of like reading the X Men a lot through the '80s when it was taken over by Chris Claremont. Um, he kind of talks about how the X Men is almost representative of like Jewish culture as well, um, in that like people who look just like you, who are who are also white, like you know, or have like a, a European background, but also being discriminated against by other white people because because just because of what they believe in. And that's the same with the X Men. It's like they're here in plain sight, but people still discriminate against them. So yeah, um, it, it's 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 you know he manages to fit in a lot of these different boxes and checks. And with having Jennifer Lawrence being someone who's like poor, just walks into um, Xavier's kitchen. Xavier's kitchen, um, and you know is brought up into a, a whole different lifestyle now. Um, it's just fascinating. It's it's, it, it's, it's it, at the core of the X Men characters and the core of the X Men story is all about. Um, discrimination. It's all about um, people who feel like they have more of a right to something towards you because of their background. Yeah. It's very Nazi. I mean, that's why bringing in that, like you said, about the Holocaust, about the Nazis, about um, how they were trying to purify the race and all this stuff right. about race right. and about religion and about beliefs and about discrimination and about hate and hate crime. That's at the core of the X-Men um, characters in, it, since the inception of the X-Men, since the very beginning. Right. And that's what I love so much about it is that Matthew Vaughn incorporates all those elements. Like you said, Matt, the Malcolm X angle, the, the, the Nazi angle, the, the, all these angles that it takes. And it, it, something I love as well, and I know that he's not really a, a part of this story, but his dad is, Azazel, um, Nightcrawler. What I've always loved about Nightcrawler is the fact that he's, hardcore i mean catholic. hardcore catholic yeah. loves jesus loves the lord loves all this stuff and he looks like a demon right. and it's those things that it's like and everyone hates him because he looks like a demon and he's like i'm way more christian than you are bro right, right. <laughs> but i look like a demon it's right. it's it's that concept of like i'm going to discriminate you because of the way you look because of what you are because of your background um that's at the core of the x-men and that's why watching that movie really makes you think because I can't lie, RB3, I'm kind of Team Magneto as far as watching mm. this movie. 
because he brings up those points. He's like, dude, look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look at the discrimination we faced. You know, I, I've been at the hands of, of men who are just following orders no more. Right. You know, it, it, when are we going to stop at, 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 you know, it's okay to do something if you're following orders or it's okay to do something because we were told to do something or we believe a certain way and we're somehow justifying ourselves. When is it the right time to show our hand through a forceful method? Right. Not a peaceful method, but a forceful method, something that people will actually listen to. Mm -hmm. That to me is so interesting. And I also love the concept of um, the relationship between him and his mother. Right. Where it's that concept of like, it's one of my favorite lines in, in the movie. And it's one of my favorite lines in general. Um, when he's like, I agree with everything you just said to Kevin Bacon. He tells right, him, right. but you kill my mom. <laughs> right, right. He's one of those things where he's like, dude, you're totally right. But you killed my mom. So mm. I'm going to kill you. And it's like those right. things where it's so good. And also the concept between good and evil. I love it because um, Matthew Vaughn, um, Magneto and Charles Xavier have this moment um, where Magneto, I'm, I'm sorry, where Professor Xavier taps into his, his bright memory. I was, I was just going to mention and, and, that. And yeah. he taps into the memory of his mom. And he taps into um, as, as far as like the, what he uses as far as rage right. to use his powers. And then I forget the line, but it's something like somewhere between rage and serenity is, is the perfect balance. Somewhere between physical anger and passion and peacefulness and love do you find the balance to accomplish great things. It takes drive and sometimes righteous anger to accomplish a goal that you're really passionate about. But it also takes peace of mind and it also takes serenity and, 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 and patience to accomplish your goal because you can't get it right away. But at the same time, you want to try and balance those two. That to me is just like, that's so good. Mm -hmm. It's completely fascinating. And that's why I love the character of Manito so much because he's not, he's, he's, he doesn't fall into a, a spectrum of a bad guy. He falls into the spectrum of, like you said, someone who's jaded, someone who's been through some things personally, who's seen the Holocaust firsthand, who's seen the effects of, of racism um, of the Nazis, and he says, no more, mm -hmm. no more. I think that's yeah. so good. It's so good. Yeah, and, um, you know, they, they obviously address a lot more of the political stuff when talking about, well, when talking about the, the kids individually, um, and that's kind of where the movie doesn't work for me, almost. Okay, which part? Um, you, you know, that whole part where, like, uh, where the, all the kids are, like, staying in, um, like, in the government facility, and then um, Azizel comes and, and a few of the other, like the bad, you know, the, the bad Hellfire club. Yeah. 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 Hell, there we go. Exactly. And they come in and, you know, first guy that kills the black guy and they give him this whole lecture about like, Hey, about like you being discriminated against and they give him a close up right on him. You know, I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> I got it. Okay. <laughs> you know, you, and you, you're laying it on a little thick for me now. So, um, so to me, and then I didn't, I didn't like what, what the kids like the whole interaction together. Um, to begin the party with. scene. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh man. Yo, um, Zoe Kravitz though. Yeah, oh, she, shout she, out to Zoe Kravitz. She's, she's great. <laughs> she's great. Um, and you know, it's funny. Um, kind of talking about the con another continuation of the franchise, like Apocalypse. Like, um, like I I didn't like Apocalypse, but the only part I did like were when the kids were hanging out, um, as opposed to this movie where I like where I love every other element of this movie but just the kids hanging out just kind of doesn't work for me but um other than that no i think x-men first class is a great commentary on like how if, if these superhero events were to take place in the real world 
uh, and and the real history um, that we have in the United States. I mean, the fact that it takes place in the '60s, right? Right, right. So with good. the Cuban Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole thing with the generals, because that's so true. Like, and like the early '60s was just like, oh, you want to get like a powerful place and and. Position and and government just like seduce a senator or something like that, like, um, and you know I guess that's still kind of true now, but um, it's just interesting how they play on that and how they incorporate how these superheroes will like actually live through that era, and I think that was that was also kind of a first of its kind for doing that too. Yeah, it's so good, man, and there's so many good things to say about it. Um, One other thing I I love, and, and I know this is such a cliche thing, and it's such a thing that people take out of hand now because this movie did it so well. It's that scene where Magneto is looking at um, Jennifer Lawrence, and oh, Jennifer right. Lawrence is working out. She's doing the bench press, and um, and Magneto's like, "Why aren't you in your true form?" And she turns back into like the older lady, and he's like, "No, no, 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 your true, your your, um, um, your." Oh no, that's when she's waiting for him in bed. I'm sorry, I'm confusing my scenes. Yeah. Um, and then she says, "No, no, 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 your true form." And then it turns into mystique, and he's like perfection. And then that everyone takes that like perfection line. Yeah. But it's he says a great line when she's working out, and his blue form, and she turns into her blue form, and he says something like, "You know, it'll it, you're you're so you're so passionate about your 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 rights as a mutant, your mutant rights, but you're not willing to show everyone who you truly are." I think that's great, and I think the concept of mystique in general, which is why I hated what they did to her in Apocalypse, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. terrible. That's why the whole Jennifer Lawrence thing kind of blew up, because it's like the whole concept of mystique, the whole point of her character is that she looks really freaking weird and yeah. blue, and that's she embraces that fully, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was so bummed out where it's just blonde Jennifer Lawrence the whole time. But anyways, right. that's a whole different thing. Um, it's the concept of like mystique being the way she is and no matter what people say about her and how that's the, that's what Magneto views as perfection is being who you are, no matter how scarred it is. Right. And of course this is pre hunger games, Jennifer Lawrence. So yeah, this is is like, I didn't know who she was. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it was like following years. I think it might have been, it was close to Hunger Games. Yeah, it was, it was. It was like one the next year, yeah, the next, next summer, um, Hunger Games it came out, and then she just became the biggest star in the world. But yep, um, this this movie is obviously a great debut for a lot of great actors. Um, James McAvoy, um, Michael Fassbender, Michael Fassbender. Oh, so um, good in this role. Yeah, he broke my heart in this role, man. Yeah, I love it, and it, obviously that that scene in Argentina, I can't stop talking about it when he's in the bar. Oh with the yeah, Nazis. yeah, it's oh, such yes. a good scene yeah. where he's like. He's like, my parents didn't have a name. Uh-huh. They were taken from tailors and pig farmers. And he's like talking about how like those Nazis are like, we're retired now. We right. did bad things, but we're cool, right? right? And he's like, no, you're not going to get away with that. Right. You were a Nazi. You killed innocent people. Goodbye. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I a, love it. I'm like, yes, dude, that's awesome. That was like a really cool like moment from like the like like a um, taken from like you know Inglorious Bastards. Yep, it's a very like Tarantino a scene. Like making a superhero thing. Yeah. So I love that. Like, it's so good. All right, yeah. let's move on to Kingsman. Yeah. Um, Kingsman's uh, Secret Service. Um, this movie got a lot of popularity when it came out, as far as word of mouth and, and as far as like box office likes. Mm-hmm. People kept watching it and watching it. Um, this is another one of his that's kind of an odd film. Um, it, it 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 balances on themes of class quite a bit because the entire concept of this. It's another Mark Millar um, yeah, comic adaptation, as well. and I forgot to mention for X Men First Class, like sure. Mark Millar didn't write it, but he was a creative consultant. 
Sure. Um, yeah. With, with, on that film. So and like, he's done some X-Men stuff before. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. So like, and all of the Fox X-Men films, he's a creative consultant. So, and then Vaughn kind of brought him in through that. So there you go. Um, really like all of his last four films. are. Yep. They're all like, Millar. Yep. Yeah. He has a very close relationship with Millar. I know that for sure. Yeah. Uh, mutant and proud, man. Mutant and proud. Um, anyways, Kingsman. Uh, this one deals with kind of the concept of, I rewatched it recently, so it's, it's even heavier on my head right now, of class, of gentleman, what it means to be a gentleman. Does gentleman mean how much money I have? Does it mean how I speak? Does it mean who I interact with? Does it mean, what does it mean? It's the whole manners maketh man kind of story, which I like quite a bit. This is obviously a little bit more British. Uh, of a film than other films that he did, um, like an X-Men First Class, which isn't really British. But this is very much like that British classism of like the right. South London, hey, bruv, <laughs> you talking about, bruv? The fuck you talking about, bruv? And the way they like talk like that. And it's like the very South London kind of, I love the way they talk. For me, I, one of my favorite movies, I got to give a shout out to Attack the Block. If you haven't oh, seen Attack yeah, the Block, yeah. it's great. It stars John Boyega, yeah. pre-Star Wars. And it's that concept of like subtitles, subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know what they say, but it sounds dope. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like that South London kind of like kid who, who it comes from a very poor background and has that heavy accent and has that kind of street style and that kind of like who gives a crap kind of mentality and who comes and yet he's still extremely smart, extremely talented physically fit and he wanted to be a marine but his mom didn't want him to be a marine mm -hmm. and it's the it's the michael kane king arthur um who says that you know he's he's not from our class he's not from our class he's not one of us he, he tells that to colin firth's character colin firth galahad um what's his actual name galahad is his, did, did say his name? oh harry yeah harry, harry. Yeah. um um, Harry, who Colin Firth, he's always defending him. He's always like, no, 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 he's one of us. Right. And and uh, Michael Caine, who's who's playing that kind of like British high class kind of snobby guy, who's like, he wasn't one of us. He was he was just a lower class man. And he's like, no, Eggsy's father saved my life, and he was always one of us. Doesn't matter what background he came from. Mm -hmm. And it it has that kind of theme running to running through the entire kind of movie. Yeah, I, it's one of those movies that people always look at the action of it, but it has that theme playing throughout it what's right. your what are your thoughts on this um yeah i i enjoy kingsman quite a bit it's not like you don't I, think it's as good as it's hyped to be right yeah i mean yeah I, yeah you, you basically nailed it right on the head i mean there's a lot this of, was a very hyped movie yeah i mean this is uh, even like the fan base now like i tweeted something about kingsman people too, people love and, their Kingsman. yeah so it's like <laughs> i found a lot of kingsman's fans right i was right. like damn where are you guys from man so i i apologize ahead of time if it kind of sounds like i'm shitting on kingsman or kingsman 2 i'm not uh, maybe Kingsman. Too, but, uh, <laughs> we'll get to Kingsman too. Yeah, but uh, um, the first one, the first one's very, very cool though. I mean, it's it's a, it's a nice play on the on the spy genre. It's really, um, like you said, a breakdown of class. Um, what you know, the manners, the manners make of the man. Um, how to behave and like how to take somebody from like the the streets, the bottom, the South London, and bring them to the top to of this like secret government organization. What is that like? How is that going to be for him? Um, and it, it works on a lot of different levels. It you know they it's like uh, it's a big commentary on the idea of um, Americanization as well with Samuel L. Jackson. How mm. he's kind of like this commercialized out cat. He only eats McDonald's for dinner. Um, and playing, playing as Russell Simmons. Yeah, playing as Russell Simmons exactly, and he uh, wearing like Jordan shoes, and um, but his whole plot is to take out the world using technology, 
and you know but it's it's also a commentary on on climate change yeah and and as far as like the only way to battle climate change is, is to, to kill everybody kill everybody yeah it's basically population control right 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 exactly and um and of course that that is you know and how does that way of technology obviously it doesn't gel with like the old kind of classy british way you know of like the gentleman you know uh you know, it is it, definitely you know like kind of kind of like the stereotypes we have of British culture is like, oh, they don't have phones, you know, they call each you know stuff yeah. like that. Like it's it's a very proper, very uptight, studious kind of deal. Um, but um, you know, this this guy who's like this American dude who who wants to take down the world using technology, you can see why that would be a threat to the Kingsmen. Sure. Um, and um, having the main plot being like oh, we're going to kill each other with, like, over-aggression. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, that kind of plays into, like, how there's not a lot of gentlemen in the world, you know? Mm. Where's where's the level of politeness or uh, manners or, or stuff like that? And they, they, you know, they address all of these topics. Like, I'm kind of saying it's serious, but they play it in a really funny way. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I definitely want to bring up to you, because I'm curious, uh, King's, his, his uh, Mark, uh, Mark Millar, uh, Matthew Vaughn's Kingsman movies, play into a little bit of a political atmosphere a little bit more than his other movies as far as like the politics nowadays. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I feel like his message gets a little muddled and I think he does that on purpose, but I'm not quite sure. Um, let me break this down for you. Uh, a, a, a rich guy who believes in climate change, who believes climate change is destroying the earth, um, but it's humanity's fault that it's destroying the earth, Right. And it's true. I mean, it pretty much is true. Um, his 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 decision to solve this issue, kind of like Michael Caine says in the movie, humanity is a virus. Earth is the one trying to fight off the virus. You know, how do we fight off the virus? By let's just get rid of a significant amount of the population that destroys the planet. And that way, we have a way of surviving this. And the only way to battle an overcoming issue that we cannot overcome is by taking out an entire class of system and only leaving the one percenters because the, the, the people who stay in the bunkers and mm, the people who, right, are, right. who are safe from the message is the one percenters is the, is the right. rich people. But it's almost like it's the senators, it's the governors, it's the, the actual the, president of the United the actual States. President, president Obama, <laughs> shout out to Obama. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's those kind of like elite, elite people. It's the, right. it's the elitist, right? And right. it's almost, it's not even the right elitist or it's more like the left elitist, if anything, right? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the CEOs and the, and the big business people who kind of, uh, believe this to be an issue and they're saving their one percenters and they're leaving the entire rest of the middle class and lower class to literally kill each other out. Yeah. What do you think of that? Cause I, that's something that's in the movie very clearly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird, man. I think, it, uh, yeah. I mean, with with the one percent thing, you're definitely right. I think that's what they're going for. Um, I think, and even having the protagonist be like this lower class, like guy who lives in like the slums of of South London, um, yeah. Making him the protagonist is like um, almost, you know, it's like it's saying like you guys are continuously oppressing this group, and um, you know how how is the one percent. I'm going to keep sustaining that. Um, the only way that the one percent could see, um, you know, winning the situation is through um, just eliminating the rest of the the, the population. And um, again, you know, um, but 
you're you're not so off when you're talking about like the idea of climate change. Like, well, is is it the right thing? You know, is it is that you know even though the the actual actions are are, are horrible. Yeah, is a way to is a way to save the earth to sacrifice ourselves. Yeah, is that is it's the whole Noah's Ark thing. It's yeah. the whole concept of Darren Aronofsky's Noah, right? right? The way to save the earth is literally to destroy humanity through a flood. That right. was God's way of saving the planet and kind of purifying the planet of all the crap that was on it as far as humanity and saving one family, one family. This is it's got a very Noah Noah's Ark kind of feel. Um saving right. one family or one group of people replacing that and that's the one percenters and the people who are very conscious of the planet right and the mm-hmm. people who are like now going to repopulate the world it's going to be the higher class people um and then obviously spoilers at the end of the movie when he freaking pops all their heads off and kills all the one percenters yeah that's another thing too that i was like watching the movie the first time, I was like, ooh, that's a very <laughs> strong message to send. Right. It's like, hey, one percenters, we're going to pop your heads off. Right, right. It's like, damn, that's a little cold. <laughs> um, like colorful, like <laughs> rainbow explosions. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I want to say, jumping off that point, it's something that's very prominent in this film, and I feel like it's something that everyone talks about when they talk about the Kingsman movie, and I really want to bring this up to you, and it goes back to that, this is this is it was such a controversial scene that they actually cut it from a few cuts of the movies when oh, they the were Ken- showing it in other countries. The Kentucky, they they uh, cut the it scene? they cut it from Mexico. I know that, really? or at least I think in South America or Mexico. I'm sure someone's going to correct me, but I know I got a tweet one time saying, "Hey, why did the church scene get cut from the Mexican version?" Um, this is a very controversial scene. So here's my thing about it. it, it it's it's known as a church hate group, the Kentucky Church. And then the whole plot is that Samuel Jackson's character is going to test out his aggression uh, thing with a small group of people, which is this church hate group that he says, if they kill each other off, whatever, no one, no one's going to miss them. No one's going to shed a tear. Right. Right. Um, I think they're kind of supposed to represent kind of the Westboro Baptist Church kind of. Oh, yeah, definitely. The the kind of hate group as far as the church. Here's my thing about it. The problem I have with it is two things. Um. Obviously, I'm not going to be the one to say that I have a huge issue with it, but it's that concept of like, there are people like this. There are people who, Matthew Vaughn didn't shy away from showing these people to be a hate-filled group. This isn't your average church. They they say the N-word quite a few times in this scene, which was a little hard to see in this movie. Um, They say the N-word. They say, uh, um, like you said before, extremely racist slurs, homophobic slurs. Mm -hmm. And they really paint this church group to be like, Christianity, these Christian people hate this, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like what Matthew Vaughn did with it was when he does a whole action violence scene when, when what's his name, Harry... Um, mm-hmm. Galahad kills everyone in the church in an extremely violent way mm-hmm. in an extremely over the top way I can't lie I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I'm sure everyone loved this scene and, and it's great it really is an amazing action scene but the concept of like we're dealing with these people right now in, 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 in our day and age with these hate groups who use the Christian platform who use church as a way to to justify their hate and to make it their foundation and kind of perverting uh the church in a way what i feel is that matthew vaughn showing that scene is kind of saying do do we really feel bad when they got shot in the head right you know what i'm saying is the way to battle these people violence because me being such a peaceful pacifist guy who hates violence in real life Mm -hmm. 
is the way to battle these racist, homophobic people through violence. Because the movie kind of says, eh, they, they got killed It's in a violent way, but right. they suck anyways. They're racist. And it's true, they are racist, and they yeah. do suck. But is it really still okay to kill these people? Right. I mean, <laughs> they, they, it's kind of play like asking, if, you know, are, you know, are these people deplorables? Um, how much is their life worth over the life of like our protagonist? And, and, and they, they made it a very clear point to show that these people are racist and, 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 and homophobic. They're not killers. They're not murderers. Right. They're just racist and homophobic. But then when the rage starts to come out, you see the more violent tendencies absolutely, come out as absolutely. a side effect of like the, the thing that triggered in their brain. Um, but well, you, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on it because no, for me, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, huh, is he saying that violence is okay against racist people? I mean, if that's what he thinks, that's what he thinks. But I'm just curious if that's what he's saying. Right. No, I mean, you know, it, it's that whole with, punch a Nazi guy thing. Right. Right. It's like it's like if uh, you is know if okay? these people doing are these people doing wrong. Um, does that make their life, their value, like worth sure. less? Are they less people? It um, is promoting violence. It's promoting hatred. Does that justify violence towards them? Yeah, and and again, this is coming from Matthew Vaughn, who's like, as much as a great director he is, he's pretty mean spirited in his films. Like he will very much poke at people he doesn't like. Yeah, um, you know, we saw that in like Kick Ass. Um, we see that especially here and 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 in this church scene, and you know, it's it's, it's you know. Asking whether or not hatred justifies violence is it's like it to me it it doesn't almost nothing justifies you know any sort I'm of, with of you. violence yeah but but, but of, do you feel like this scene this scene's painting it that way painting and, it to say like watching this scene and watching it as like our perspective we're like yeah let him die but at the same time you're like should I be feeling that way let yeah. him die well they 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 definitely paint the picture of making sure you have no empathy sure, for, for these absolutely. people no um, remorse for when if when they die when they get shot in the head. Um, you know, so it's like, and, and portraying, like, I mean, they come off cartoony, you know, kind of here, you know what I mean? Like they when do. they're, when they're doing like their little speeches or, or whatever. Their talk, message, you know. yeah. 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 So it's like, um, they're, they're over, but are they over exaggerations? I don't know. I've never met anybody who, who was like West Barrow, um, Baptist, Baptist church. church, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing of like, well, yeah, these people are, are no good, but. You know they're still functioning members of society. They're, they're still people. They're still, they still they're haven't still, committed crimes. Right. right. They're they're still they're still mothers. They're still fathers. They're still daughters and sons um, involved in that stuff. But, um, but watching them die was a little bit satisfying. Yeah. You see what I'm right, saying? Right. And uh, it, it, I, again, I guess it depends on what like side of the fence you lie on yeah. with some of these issues. Um, I don't I don't think there is a side of the fence to be honest. I think it's clearly what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. I just think the framing of it is kind of odd putting it inside a church a little bit weird putting it as christian a little bit you know heavy-handed yeah. and then kind of putting them in a situation where they're literally killing each other and getting shot in the head i think the framing of it is more than the actual message of it i don't right. know to me it was that's one of the things that stands out the most in the kingsman well, movie yeah you know they kick it off with again making sure you don't feel any any remorse absolutely for these people making sure that you hate these people just as much as Colin Firth does. And when he starts popping off and when he starts, you know, slaying people down and whatnot, that you're rooting for him. Um, and Exactly, but he, in the movie, he wasn't even attempting to do that, right? Right, right, It was something right. that he didn't want to do. He was forced to do. Right, but you could see, like, but before that buildup, he was very much like, oh, I'm going to, I got to get out of here. Like, I can't, sure. I can't sit with these people anymore. Like, I think he oh, was yeah, even, like, of course, getting of ready course. to get up. So it's like, 
um, you see like why you will see why somebody like him will be provoked to do that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, they're all, they're all sociopaths who like, um, don't, um, who don't see equality and justice for people and, and, um, and equal rights. But does that justify them not having um, a place in this world anymore? Yeah, does that know. justify the, the manner in which they were killed, right? Because we've seen scenes like this in movies before. We've seen shootouts. We've seen people, we've seen like a million people get died. I mean, you've seen movies like The Raid where like a bunch of thugs get killed. Yeah. But you see them as like killers, rapists, people who, who have literally given away their, their right to live in a sense, right? Where it's like that, that concept of like, I'm a killer, I'm a rapist, I'm someone who's like the worst of humanity, when you see it in an action film and in a shootout, you're just like, damn, yeah, that's cool, that's crazy. But seeing this scene, seeing it in a church, seeing it with racist people and, 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 and discriminate, discriminating people, people who are a burden to society, but are they justifiable of getting shot in the head a million times? Like that's it, it, it's, it's something that to me, watching it, I was very much like, huh, what's the message here? That, right. that the way we should battle these systems and these people is through violence i mean right. I, I don't know that to me is some, something that well and and i think that that goes to a, a larger point of like his commentary on american culture and we'll we'll talk about this in and the golden circle Let, let's but. let's jump to it let's jump to uh um kingsman 2 as well because right. i feel like kingsman 2 kind of obviously intersects with this movie obviously you have your thoughts on this movie we saw this movie together uh last week full disclosure yeah. and i sat next to rb3 and it's so funny because RB3 and I were watching this movie, and obviously this movie is ridiculous, but RB3 is cracking his way all the way through the movie, yeah. just cracking up. You can hear the RB3 laughs now. And then I, and then he turns to me after the movie, and he's like, that movie sucked, bro. <laughs> after hours of cracking up, and he's like, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this movie, yeah, this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a cringe fest, man. I mean, I was kind of laughing more at like how cringy some of the lines were sure. at the very beginning. Um, I, I told you this after the movie. But I can't. I can't find the quote online. But there's there's one part in there where like, I know exactly. The, after you told me, I, I didn't know what you were talking about. But yeah. thinking about it on my way home, I knew exactly when they were talking about the Golden Circle. And I yeah. was like, it must be some sort of secret organization. Yeah. And you're just like, how'd you get to that conclusion? What? Just because they got a logo? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and she said it all slow and dramatic. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was, there's like a lot of moments in there for me. Like There's like, some fun moments. I, I, I kind of want to talk about this movie. The, the, the thing about this movie that stands out, obviously, is um, Eggsy being a full-formed Kingsman. It's um, the introduction of the Golden Circle. It's introduction of the Statesman, which to me was interesting because the, sta the Statesman represents the super cliche americana southern kentucky talking with a southern accent right, kind of right. gun toting uh cowboy hat wearing cowboy super spy which right. is kind of ridiculous but in a way it kind of worked for me i don't know why it worked i, I like seeing channing tatum be that kind of cowboy uh right. you know super south dude super spy kind of guy i like mm -hmm. that i actually like pedro pascal's version of that too i hate it what they did with him at the end of the movie which i obviously was talking to you about but obviously this is the movie i mainly was referring to when i said that when it comes to politics uh, matthew modern, vaughn yeah. matthew vaughn gets a little muddled yeah. <laughs> where he's like okay so the villain is someone who wants to legalize 
drugs but at the same time the villain is the president because he wants to get rid of everyone on drugs because he won the war on drugs because they're all going to die out but at the same time it's like drugs are bad drugs are okay drugs are you should do drugs you shouldn't do drugs in fact what is the message like i was so confused i was like what are you trying to say dude like i don't know this movie the, the message to me the meaning of this film was a little bit muddled because the villain was a drug dealer who wanted to legalized drugs and the villain was someone who was like war against drugs what do you think about this man it's just i don't know man it's so the whole, the whole <laughs> that's movie the episode kinda... of today's meeting up <laughs> just joking. i just i can't stop thinking but we do about... have like a little bit of time left <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but no they they uh i, I don't know man it, it, it didn't work for me at so, all so like, there, there is no let me break it down the, the thing is the whole theme of this movie is that drugs are literally killing humanity. Anyone who does even the tiniest puff of freaking well, see, weed and that's, that's is going to die. That's where I, I don't... And they're literally going to die. I don't get this whole idea of like, oh, uh, like, you know, there's... Like, of course, you know, they're saying like pharmaceutical drugs are just as bad, but it's like... Why are you putting like like you know, like the same dude like same as level heroin? Of, some dude like literally smoking crack or or heroin or yeah, like any just, kind of drug. Like it's just because like, at the end, what's her face gets injected with heroin. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're then, like heroin. And all right. Like the president's like uh you know the secretary of state or whatever. She she's she, like drugs aren't that bad. Yeah, she's like people actually need the help. <laughs> I like, don't know. So sometimes you need a little puff puff now and then, Mr. <laughs> president. <laughs> And and by the way, do you think they like rewrote a lot of this like after Trump got elected? Like, I I don't know. I mean, we can jump into that, but I feel like hey, hey I don't I don't know. They, they're and definitely the saying that, something about that. Also, the fact that like, how did the whole time I was thinking, wait a minute, if even like the tiniest Eggsy didn't have any rash that tried to kill him with drugs, they, they literally showed him earlier. Even when they showed him earlier like, with with like a freaking giant bag of weed, yeah. and then it's like, I don't I don't know this movie to me. Obviously, let's not get into the whole different concept of like the finale of the movie with mark strong's character of merlin who i uh, love by like, the way literally sings <laughs> hey man that broke my heart rb3 that broke my damn heart anyways uh, to me it just got a little bit muddled to me as far as like the president being like yeah like yay we get rid of drug drug people who even do the tiniest bit of drugs and then um versus the um, what's her freaking name? Julianne Moore's character yeah. of being like, let's legalize drugs and we can be a more functioning society. And yet she's still really kind of psycho and evil. So yeah, you're just and, like, and you're Jeff, not right either. And you got Jeff Bridges like representing like the alcohol, like people. Sure. Like and, and there's and there's still that whole debate of like, does um what is alcohol better than drugs? Where, alcohol is a drug too, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and yet there's and a line that he says, he's like, stick to whiskey, son, or something like that. Yeah. That he says, Oh no, uh, Halle Berry says that to someone. To Channing Tatum. Right, at, right. When he wakes up from his dream, he's like, next time, stick to whiskey, son, or something like that. Yeah, but I don't I don't. And get I was what like, they're Yeah, I was like, that's like, a weird... Yeah. And then at the same time, you're like, oh, I get it. They're saying that the war on drugs is bullshit. That's what I thought. And then at the end, what's his face? When Eggsy's friend comes back yeah. to him, he's like, <laughs> I ain't never doing that shit again, bro. I ain't never touching that shit, bro. And I'm just like, wait a minute. You just said that it was okay, but now you're saying I'm never going to touch that again, so maybe we shouldn't touch drugs? Is this a war on drugs? I'm, I was confused. It was, I was like, wait a minute. What are you trying to say? I don't know. This movie confused me as far as the message of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, that There's was... There's some cool action scenes. I the, thought the... Action is I good. thought Charlie was a badass. I told you that. Metal Hand Charlie. Oh, yeah. I thought Pedro Pascal was cool. I hated what they did with him. 
as far as like, you know, meth head killed my wife. Now I'm going to try to get, get rid of all the meth heads. And I was right. like, oh, really? Well, you know and then what? You, you kill him at the end anyways. I don't know. That bugged me. I will, I will say for, for Kingsman 2, I think the action definitely highlights what like what Vaughn does with in, in all of his films, like him rewatching all of his movies um, after seeing Kingsman 2. You tell the action's always very close. It's like you use like short angle lenses to like shoot a lot of his stuff. It's great. So like you, you've, you're like really in close when they're doing like the action and movements. Um, but I, I didn't like them copying the, the bar scene from the first one. Yeah. And just kind of redoing it again. Redoing uh, it again with Pedro. Yeah. I just hate when like any sequel does that, <laughs> like take their best moment from the first one and, and like recreate it again. Sure. Uh, sure. I mean, they, I'm sure they were told to do that, to be honest, but that's a different conversation. Uh, I'm going to say my last words on the film just because we ran out of time. Uh, last words on the film. I love Pedro Pascal. Uh, I have my thoughts as far as I'm always going to bring this up because guess what? I'm Latino, so I'm going to bring it up. I don't care what you guys think. Um, that's who I am. Um, and just the fact that he's a very he, – he's kind of the rising star we have as far as Latino actors go. He's from Chile. He's a Chileno guy. He plays, obviously, the Red Viper over in Martel, um, R.I.P., um, and what they do with his character at the end kind of rubbed me the wrong way as far as the whole upbringing of the character and as, as far as the whole concept of bringing this Latino character and, and his, his, the way he went out to me was just so pathetic. Not, in, not just in the sense of like the justification of like, let's feel for him and then let's get rid of him two seconds later. Yeah, uh, that to me rubbed me the wrong way. Also, the concept of stacking the drug dealers inside stadiums. Oh yeah, I was like, really oh, now? Alrighty, cool. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of positive in this movie as far as action goes. I think there's a lot of negative as far as story wise goes. Overall, I think Matthew Vaughn had too much to say and just yeah. didn't really find the clear message. That's my last thought. Well, I think you know, definitely coming off of Kingsman, which was a nice look at like. Um, British culture and, you know, kind of piggybacking off the 60s spy movie um, ideas like that that Bond brings to the British. Um, they take the American concepts of the Western, you know, of the John Waynes and all that stuff. Sure. Take it, take it and apply those stereotypes to that. So I think in that respect, it's interesting. The whole idea of them being, you know, an alcohol company um, is cool because you get to see, like, this is, like, literally what the back of America was based off of. Like, there was a time in history where... There was no alcohol, and literally the country almost fell apart. And it's also uh, the concept of prohibition, right? Right, what, exactly. Pro, yeah, what prohibition, prohibition does yeah. as far as alcohol, drugs. Right. But now that, that's yeah. that's a, another muddle thing in the movie. Yeah, as far exactly. as like, why is the alcohol, you know, lifting that prohibition okay, but why is it for drugs not okay? That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. So and 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 I think that's where like that movie fell apart for me a lot. I don't really know what they're saying. I don't get what they're saying. I didn't get it either. Um, I don't get, you know, and you could say, "Oh, it was a very left agenda." Was it? Not really. I, not really. I <laughs> it almost, was. It seemed kind of right to me. And yeah. then when you're like, "It wasn't really right either." Yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really have anything clear to say to me, yeah. and it it didn't really. Um, the action scenes were cool. Um, like I said, there were some cool elements, but. The, the, the cringy dialogue is too much. To, to me, this is the only bad Matthew Vaughn film. Matthew Vaughn, if you're listening, you're probably not. Uh, but if you're listening, I love all your movies. All your movies are great. This this one just didn't work for me personally. Cool. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say bad. I, I think there is some good that enough to make it a decent, okay, pretty okay film. Um, I love John Denver. 
that that's all I can say. Right, right. <laughs> Shout out to Merlin. Shout what up, homeboy Merlin, Mark Strong. I love yeah. you. Uh, anyways, that's how we're gonna end the show today, guys. We're gonna end it with Kingsman Two. Let us know your thoughts on Kingsman Two since it is the most recent Matthew Vaughn film. Let us know in the comments what your favorite Matthew Vaughn film is and what you think he brings as far as Hollywood uh, filmmakers go and what he brings as far as originality. I'm Ace. This is RB3. Please make sure you guys subscribe, like, share. If you like the Meaning of podcast, we're going to be here all the time. Let us know what filmmaker you want us to talk about, and we promise we will get to them eventually. That is it for today, guys. Talking about Matthew Vaughn. Peace out. Woo-hoo.